Hey, hey, welcome back to Uncork with Champagne. I wanted to go over something today that just really is near and dear to my heart. And that is my village. Like, I really, really want to shout out my village because I think that a lot of times in life as an adult now, especially those of us in our 30s or better, maybe younger, I don't know, um, we tend to think that finding your village is something that we need to go out and search low and high for when in reality, if you just live a little, if you just literally live your life a little bit, On your journey of growth and going through different experiences, people will be added onto your journey who are supposed to be a part of your village. They are your village. Now, I'm not saying everybody that gets added is, but you will learn who your village is through your journeying. It's not something that you're going to have to search high and low for. They will find themselves attracted to you as you to them. And it's not something that you have to beat yourself over the head with because I've heard a lot in probably the last two or three years where, you know, people on social media, myself included at one point, I think I did say something before of like, you know, you really can't trust anybody, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if I said it on social media in that way or if I was talking to someone, but I remember the person um, who I know reaching out to me like, well, you know, you just got to find your tribe, you know, just find your tribe. And I'm like, find my tribe. What is that? You know? What is my tribe? What is my tribe? When she initially said it, I didn't even say that. I think when she initially said it, I'm like all in agreement. Like, yeah, I do. I do need to find my tribe. And then when I got a moment, I thought like, yeah, I do. But what's my tribe? Where do you, you know, what? Where do I find my tribe at? What would my tribe even be? What would it look like? What would it sound like? Um, what is that? And I started to rack my brain for. Who can I consider my tribe? Because something in my mind told me that my tribe would look and sound and act like me. Well, I had a hard time finding that. As one could imagine, when you're going about in this world, you know, there's not a whole lot of uses. (laughs) There's not a whole lot of uses. I would even go as far as to say that I don't really believe that there's ever anybody who is truly us. We may have people who we say, or oh, that person's like my twin or we're just alike or whatever, but there really is only one you, right? So you can get real tripped up and thinking that your tribe has to look, sound, and act like you. And you will be strongly misled to believe in one, that, you know, one band, one sound mentality means that you can never agree with me. Or you can never disagree with me, sorry, that you can never disagree with me because you are me and you got to feel the way I feel and see things the way I see things. And you'll get tripped up on that or you'll get tripped up on believing that you have no one and you're you're going to always have no one simply because you're not running into your exact identical twin. And so what I had to think about was. If I'm not seeing myself, then how am I ever going to find my tribe? Well, it took probably, I want to say maybe like a month of like just kind of observing how things in life were going for me and thinking about past relationships, whether it's friendships or, you know, romantic partners I had been interested in in the past um, and just trying to even just random people, just random 
beings who I came in contact with, whether through work or school or college or whatever. And just me just remembering what those interactions looked like, like how they started, um, things about it that I enjoyed most, things about it that I absolutely hated. And with thinking of those things and thinking about where I am to this day, I slowly but surely started to come into this newer idea of what tribe really is supposed to be and what it really looks like. And it looked completely different than what I thought it was supposed to originally. So what does it look like to me now? To me now, when I think of tribe, I'm thinking of those people in your life who, even if they don't operate the same exact way that you operate, like they may not walk the same as you. They may not speak the same vernacular as you. They may not uh, see the world exactly through your eyes and through your experiences if they've had their own different experiences but the end goal understand this the end goal even though you may have different ways of seeing things the end goal is still the same for me your tribe has to have the same end goal doesn't matter how you start It doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter how differently you see it, whether you see it from behind or I see it from the front or whatever the situation is, we can have totally different personalities and I still can consider you a part of my tribe depending on whatever our mindset and the end goal is. Now, for me personally, and it may this may be different for others, but this is for me personally, the end goal of my journey What I want my legacy to be is that one, she loved God, two, she loved people, and three, she made sure that the people around her, especially her child, were inspired to live a purposeful life, a purpose-filled life. That is my end goal. That's my end goal. All in all, there's so many things that go into that, but just overall, if there is an end goal, that would be mine. She loved God. She loved people and the people closest to her and whoever had come in contact with her, they were inspired to live a purpose-filled life. They were inspired by her to live a purpose-filled life. Um, With that being my end goal in mind, there are certain things that I have to do to keep to that, right? With that being my end goal in mind, I have to strengthen. If I want to be known for loving God and loving people, I need to strengthen my relationship with God (laughs) and other people, no? So that's first and foremost. That's a part of my, my everyday function is learning how to have a better relationship with Christ and having a better relationship with the people around me. Um, and then of course doing the inspiring. Now I can't do that if I'm being careless, you know, about how I treat myself. I can't do that. I can't have a successful relationship with Christ if I'm always disrespecting him, 
in any way if I'm always disrespecting me because he lives within me. So if I'm always disrespecting myself and settling for less and not doing the work or not trying to grow or self-sabotaging and doing all these things that we know people tend to do in life once they become of age and, you know, they've seen a couple different things, heard a couple different things, experienced some hardships. A lot of times we let life literally beat the crap out of us and we start to accept mediocrity or worse. And so because I want this relationship with Christ to be something that's that's the the pinnacle for me for my legacy, I need people to see that his power and his grace was over me. Like in spite of anything that life could could have thrown at me, that his power, his grace, his blessing, his favor was over me and over my life in spite of all of it. And the only way that they're going to see that is if I stick to the course, right? Now, if I'm thinking about my tribe and the people who I believe are a part of my village or should be a part of my village, these are my people. These are my people. They have my end goal in mind. These are people who I need to know will hold me accountable for certain things. I need to know that these people are going to hold me accountable for taking care of myself, both physically and emotionally, spiritually. These people are going to be people who will hold me accountable for how I um, handle, you know, day-to-day tasks and uh, how that affects my child. Like if I'm, if I need to get to and from work and I need to be able to, you know, participate in this activity or that activity, that I'm not dropping the ball when it comes to parenting my child at the same time. These people are going to hold me accountable for, how I'm doing realistically outside of what you see on the outside, but what you know was going on internally. These people are going to check in with me, check the temperature and say, hey, what's going on? I haven't heard from you in a little while. Um, You know, how you feeling? What's on your mind? Or maybe I seen you wilding out a little bit. You know, maybe you talking a little reckless online or you, you're, you haven't been showing up the way you normally would show up for us or not just for us, but just even for yourself, you haven't been showing up the way we know that you normally would. What's going on? What's happening? What's on your mind? How can we fix this? And then addressing the issues at hand by giving me space one, by giving me a listening ear two, and then any suggestions or any advice that they think is going to help to get me to that end goal you know, of what I desire most and what my heart's desires are most. And likewise, because they have the same end goal in mind, I'm going to do the same for them. I'm going to hold them accountable in the same way because we may struggle at different times. So today I may need them to support me with my end goal. Tomorrow they may need me to support them with their end goal. And it's cool and it works because we both have the same idea of this is what we want. And we know this is how we got to get it. And we got to keep feeding each other until we get there. Those are your people. People that can do that, that's your tribe. That's your tribe. Those are your villagers. Those are people who literally are going to travel along the road and journey with you. And at the end, you guys, I believe, you know, will will feel, will understand why it was so important and so necessary for you to have each other in your lives. Anything extra, anything on the outside of that is like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I don't care if you like to party 
Like I like to party. And by party, let me just be clear because I don't know whoever listens, but (laughs) let me be clear. I mean, literally dance partying, not the other party, but dance partying, you know, having game nights, going out, skating, bowling, whatever, um, arcades, whatever. Um, if you like to do all those things, but you don't have my best interest in mind at the end of the day, then we're not doing that. We're not. I'm sorry. We're not. I don't have time to waste. I don't have time to waste. So no, I'm not going to be linking you. No, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to date you. We're not doing any of those things that could potentially steer me off the course of where I'm trying to go. And that's in every area. You know, that's in the area of my spirituality, my mentality, uh, mental health and wellness. That's all of that. Because I think sometimes what happens too is that when you're in this awkward phase of um, solidarity, because, you know, let's just be honest. Most of us adults who have lived a little bit, we have had these periods where it, it seems like it's just us. Like you could have had a bunch of friends in your younger years, but at some point you come to a phase where it's just you and you'll start to question. You'll start to question Who's got my back? Who's in my corner? Who do I have? And I think a lot of times because we can't find someone immediately, we just accept what comes by us thinking like, all right, maybe this will be it. Maybe this will be it. And then we end up dragging ourselves completely off course because we were just trying to fill an empty seat rather than seeing how these people should fit into our lives altogether and where they fit and how that would affect us in the long run. We just want to fill an empty seat. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. I didn't always do that with dating because I don't know. I feel like I was raised a certain way um, in a single parent household where I was the only girl and my mother just wanted to always instill in me that, you know, you're independent, you're strong. You don't need to have a man like you could you could take care of yourself and you can be respectful and be respected you know, even if you don't have a man in your corner and it's like, okay, that, that stuck with me. Like some of that stuff really, really did stick with me. And I, and I, um, it made it difficult for me to kind of be one of those girls that felt like she always needed to have a boyfriend. So I never really felt like I always needed to have a boyfriend, but I will say that in friendships, I tend to be a little bit more naive in friendships. I tended to be a little more naive when it came to friendships and, um, not really knowing the difference between a friend and an associate, not knowing the difference between a a friend or associate to an acquaintance, you know? So um, constantly meeting people because of different avenues, like I said before, whether through school or work or church or community events or whatever, the art community, whatever it is, you come in contact with all these different people, different personalities, different walks of life. And some people will be really, really nice and really sweet and really open. And sometimes even to a point of suffocation, to be honest, sometimes it's even to a point of suffocation where they almost love bomb you. Those who know about narcissism, that you know the term, they almost love bomb you, um, love bomb their way into your life. Like, you know, with 
with a whole lot of admiration. Oh, you're so amazing. Oh, you're so dope. Or you're so smart. Or you're so um, uh, deep. Or you're so you're such an intellectual. Like I love to hang out with you. I love to to chat it up with you. I love to dive in. Like we, I know we always gonna get some good um, something good to talk about when when I'm with you or whatever. Like people love that. They love to do that. They love to love bond their way into your life. And sometimes even the strongest amongst us can be bamboozled by that, by that very love bombing. Like um, my, my antennas are always up when it's coming from a guy, but they haven't always been up when it comes from other females. You know, when it comes to a guy who I believe is after something specific, my antennas are already up and I'm already at alert. I'm already looking at the red flag, at red flag, at what you want, (laughs) what you need, what you here for, who sent you. But when it has been in a form of um, friendship, you know, in me and females and me looking at them as like, that's my sister, or this is a sisterhood. This could be a sisterhood. I have been more lenient in that regard and more naive into believing that they cared more without needing anything from me, you know? And it was a misconception that I just did not, I don't know why I didn't, but I just did not even, uh, I didn't even think about. So I would allow people to come and have a seat in this, this, uh, empty chair of sisterhood because I didn't have sisters, at least not sisters my age. Um, my father had other children who were much younger than me, much younger than me. But, um, our relationship is much close, closer now, thank God, than it was before. But it's just that back then I was becoming an adult and they were still like babies. So I didn't have my own sister. And then I had female cousins, but my female cousins were like polar opposites of me, personality wise. We just weren't similar at all. Um, during that time of me growing into my womanhood, we were, we were in different, um, circumstances. We had, we had come from different circumstances, slightly different circumstances, but more than that, our personalities just were not that, um, close to each other. So we didn't spend a whole lot of time. I did have one cousin in particular who we, um, we had a lot more in common than the others, but it was seeming like there were always, there would always be something that would happen that kind of like separate us every so often. So I felt like I was always missing that sisterly bond. I, and I always wanted that. I always, always wanted that because I had brothers, you know, and my brothers, I felt like they had that bond with each other because they're both boys. But who do I relate to? Because my mother's a, a mother. She's a grown, grown lady. She can't really relate to where I'm at right now. Or so I thought. And then I don't really have anybody in my age group. So I took friendships very serious. Um, I had a best friendship. <laughs> Sounds funny to say that. But I had a best friendship that lasted many, many years. And even to this day, she is my good friend. But um, I've always taken sisterhood very serious. So even aside from her, any friend, any female friend that came in and they seemed to be like really open to the idea of being cool, I would let them be cool with me and I would want to hang with them and I would tell them, you know, my deepest, darkest secrets and I would share things with them that hurt me and my vulnerabilities and we would laugh and cry and do all kinds of things. And then later on, I, whenever there would be like a, a disagreement that couldn't be gotten over, it would be like, 
okay, you disagree with me about this. So now you're going to use everything in your arsenal to attack me with it. And I didn't feel like doing that. Even if I disagreed with someone, I didn't go straight to my arsenal. I didn't want to go straight to my arsenal for people who I really cared about. Now, if I didn't know you like that and I knew we already had issues from start, then you would probably you'd probably catch it all. But for those who I thought were very close to me, who I thought were my quote unquote, my tribe, I didn't want to do that. My mind wasn't to do that. I didn't have the heart to do that to them. But I found myself always on the other end of that with them. Whenever something would go left, it would be like they're hitting me. Boom, 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 boom. And it used to bamboozle me because I'm like, I thought this was my tribe. You know, we were hanging out all the time. You know, this person used to always say how smart I was. And this person used to always say how great I was or how dope I was or how talented I was. And they had all these great things to say about me in the beginning. But then whenever they would get their feelings hurt or, you know, felt like I slighted them in any way, then it would it would automatically flip to extreme enemy status like they would look at me with such hate and want to say such mean and hurtful things and it's like why go so hard for somebody who you hate that bad like why did you have to you didn't even have to love bomb me the way that you did if you knew at the end of the day that you was gonna feel like this like because I don't even feel like this for you you know so it was confusing but what I learned over time again is just that just because somebody can you know say to you, hey, you have great skin or, you know, I really love your complexion or you have beautiful hair or you're really talented or you're really smart or, you know, you got cute little shape or whatever, whatever compliments that they overflow to you or, you know, even the idea of wanting to always spend time with you or around you. I want to hang out. You want to hang out? Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. It doesn't mean that they have your best interest in mind. It doesn't mean that they share the same end goal as you. It just doesn't. And you have to watch for that. It doesn't mean that you got to be so distrusting that you can't even say hello with a friendly smile to anybody. But just beware that once you get past that part of introduction, like, hey, hello, hi, my name is. Just beware of the things that are that are behind that person's initial smile. Beware of that, you know, get to know that, get to know it. Don't be on the defensive, but just get to know it a little bit better before you start to consider that person as someone who belongs in the seat, in the permanent seat of your life, you know, anybody that you think you want to fill in the, the seats, the permanent seats of your life, you want to think about what their motives for wanting that seat would even be. You have to consider what is the motive of this person and their their full intentions on their relationship with me? Whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it is a friendship, whether it's even, even with certain employers. You know, some of us, we think that, you know, if we get a certain job or a certain position at a certain place or a certain department or whatever, that that's going to be the, that's going to be the epitome of success for us. That's going to be the end all for us, we're going to have all this peace and all this happiness if we could just get to that one point. But you don't know sometimes what that backside of that even looks or sounds or feels like. So it's important to get to know these things before you make 
life-changing decisions. And yes, adding people to your life is a life-changing decision. It really is because it could literally make or break you. It could literally make or break you. It can literally change the trajectory of your entire assignment if you're not careful. And you add the wrong ingredients into something, the same how you put the wrong ingredients. If you mistake, if you go to make yourself a cake and you mistake the sugar for salt, if you mistake the salt for sugar, you you just ruin the, the entire dish. You just ruin the entire thing. You can't make a mistake like that and think that you're gonna sit and enjoy a birthday cake when you mistook the salt for sugar. And it's the same thing for people. When you place people into permanent areas of your life, if you're not careful and you didn't make sure that they are who they say they are, you know what I mean? Then you could possibly wrongfully affect everything, negatively affect everything in your world. And it doesn't mean that it has to stay that way because we know we've all run into some issues similar to that before. I think most people have had an experience or two with that. So we know that it doesn't last always, but we can't be because we can't be sure on when the end date is. When our expiration dates are, why would you even want to play? You know what I mean? Why would you even want to play with that? I don't want to even play with that. And I think a lot of that comes from my experience of having had already uh, <laughs> learned the hard way that, hey, you had this plan, but you made this decision and now this is the new plan you got to take. This is the new route you have to take. Yes, I want to keep the goal the same and it is and I'm going to do it. But now I got a whole new route I got to go and I got to hope and pray that the things on this route don't take me out. Because there was a route planned for me that I knew was a safer route. But now I got to take a route that I don't even know what's around the corner. And I got to hope and pray that I can I can make it through that. When I could have just stayed on the course going the way that was being paved for me and those obstacles were being moved out the way for me. Now it's just like you're going in blindsided and literally all you got to work with is your faith. That's it. And it's because of you, your own, it's because of your own decisions, your own decision making. So because of me having that experience, I just feel like now I'm much more guarded in, in that way of like just not letting any old body come into my circle any old body come and take a seat in the permanent seats of my life. Like I'm just really guarded in that fact. And I don't want to move in a way that says like my heart is closed to even to love because I see myself as a wife. I see myself having a home where I'm taking care of my children and me and my husband are sitting with our grandchildren one day and we're passing them stories about things we've been through and how we accomplished this. Or whatever, I see that in my mind and I see that in my heart of hearts. So I'm not closed-minded to the idea of love and growing in relationship with someone, nor am I closed-minded in the way of thinking that, you know, women are all bad or men are all bad or can't trust nobody in this whole world. I'm not to that point of having a closed-off heart, but I am guarding my heart. And I would encourage anyone else who is in this phase of maybe this is your period of isolation and you're trying to figure out who your tribe is or how to find your tribe, I would encourage you to first and foremost, get in your mind or get out of your mind the fact that your tribe has to look, act, sound, walk like you because they don't. They don't. They may be completely different than you, but the end goal has to be the same. 
that's first keep that in mind the end goal has to be the same but all that other external stuff it doesn't have to be they may not look like you sound like you whatever but as long as they have the same idea in the end as you and they are actively invested and actually walking that thing out that journey out that is who your tribe is going to be that is who you connect and stay connected to despite anything else that's one now two I would also encourage you to heavily guard your heart. Don't be dismissive. Don't be um, defensive. Don't be, you know, hateful or anything like that. But guard your heart in a way in which you do not just let anybody and everybody come and take a seat in your life. Because everybody and anybody is not walking in, one, with the same purpose that you have, you know, in mind anyway, the same end result that you have in mind. And two, they're not walking with even genuine care and concern for who you truly are, because what may have attracted to them or made them attracted to you may be something that's extremely external. A lot of people are attracted to what they can see. And we all know the truth as adults. We know that sometimes what we put out there, let me be vulnerable. Sometimes what I've put out there may or may not even have been the 100% truth. And not because, oh, I'm I'm just a liar and I enjoy lying, but because sometimes we think that, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I don't feel good today, but I'm going to go and put on a happy face until I start feeling better. And then now you come in contact with somebody who sees the happy face and they assume that they can have you just join them and doing whatever that day, not knowing what you're struggling with, not knowing that you're having a hard time with your mental health right now, not knowing that there are certain things that you just can't even take. So they may be joking and throw you in a joke or, you know, playing around and go too far with something and they don't understand why you would be offended because they're looking at you like, well, you were just, you look like you were playing too. And it's like, I'm not playing. I'm putting on a smile so that I could just show up for the day, but I'm not in a playing mood. (laughs) I'm not in a playing mood. You know, I've been there before. I've been there before. And then you have others who were literally raised, especially in the black community. A lot of us are raised that once you leave the house, you don't let people see you sweat. So we have this, this, um, sad because that's what it is it's just sad the sad mentality of don't let them see you be human because humans sweat so if I can't let you see me sweat that means that I can't be human I got to be superhuman when I'm around you and we a lot of us have this mentality that we have to be superhuman so what we go out and we present to the world is not always the truth and then we have people that are find themselves attracted to the persona that we put out there That may not even be the truth. We may be still in the process of healing some of us and some of us haven't even scraped the surface of healing yet. So now this person is attracted to you for something that's really not even you. And then you bring them in and you sit them down in a permanent space in your life. And then when they get to start seeing after peeling off some layers, they get to start seeing the real parts of you, the real hard parts of you, the struggle parts of you, the the nasty, ugly, dirty parts of you, like when they get to start seeing some of that stuff, 
then it's like, oh no, I got to get out of here. Now they're, they're running for the door. They're running for their lives to get out of that seat that you've placed them in. And now you feel like God's done you wrong because why, 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 why is this person running from, from me when all I did was try to now love them? I'm peeling off my layers for them. I'm trying to love them. And now they want to take off running. Well, it's because they had fallen in love with something that was not even you. You know, and they didn't take the time and you didn't take the time to really get to know one another before you allow them to have that seat. You got to do that part before they sit down. We got to talk. We got to rap a little bit. What they used to say in like the early 90s, they were like, well, let's let's rap a little bit. You got to rap a little bit. You know, we got to talk a little bit. I got to hear you a little bit. I got to see you a little bit. And not just not just in a moment where everything looks good and everything is fine and we're all cool and we're all having a good time. But I got to see what you look like outside of the club. I got to see what you act like outside of church. I got to know how you respond when you're under extreme stress. You know, if this is how you behave when I ask you, do you want something to eat and you can't make a decision? I need to know how do you act the same way when it comes to making life changing decisions? Like, you know, what I'm going to, how I'm going to prioritize my bills. Do you treat that the same way that you treat buying food? Like, I need to know. I need to know. How do you respond under these certain stress, stressors and pressures of life? Because how you respond to some of these things are going to tell me whether or not you truly do deserve a seat. And just because you don't deserve a seat doesn't mean that I got to be disrespectful towards you. I'm not going to be disrespectful towards you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to degrade you. I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to do any of those things. If I feel like you don't deserve a seat based on what I see, hear, feel, and uh, see, feel, and heard, then I'm going to wish you well, send you on your way. And then we're going to keep it pushing. We can still be cordial. We'll still be associates, but you cannot have a, a seat can't have a seat can't have a seat and I think that if we start having that kind of confidence and and making that declaration then a lot of us could avoid avoid a lot more heartache a lot of us would not have the complaints that we have about failed friendships and failed relationships and oh my god I don't trust nobody in this whole world and it's just like do you not trust anybody in this whole world or do you not trust yourself boo Because that's a realization that's going to determine whether or not you're actually growing the way you may or may not think you are. If you have not learned how to trust yourself, could it be because you have not matured to a certain point as of yet to where you can be trustworthy? You know how there are certain things with our kids, for those of us who are parents, like there are certain things with your kids that you may not ask them to even do because you know already that like they're not going to do a good job. You know, like, and it's not that you're okay with them not doing a good job, but you just understand they're not, they're probably not going to do a good job. So if it's something that I really need done, I'm going to do it or I'm going to have someone else to do it, but I'm not going to ask that child to do it because they're simply not mature enough to even understand the expectation. I'm not going to have my eight-year-old go in there and cook a, a, a five-course meal. I'm just not. Because I know that he's not to a point of maturity to even understand all that goes into making a five-course meal. He's not going to be able to pull that off. He's not capable of pulling that off just yet. He has to grow 
to that point. He has to have experienced a couple of things in the kitchen to know what to do to prepare a meal of that magnitude. So I'm not going to ask him to do that because I already know he ain't mature enough to do that yet. But I do know what he is mature enough to do. I do know I can go and ask him to go in there and go and make himself a sandwich. Or I can go in there and tell him, make yourself a bowl of cereal. At this point, we're kind of graduating a little bit. He's able to use the microwave. Go in there and put yourself something in the microwave. That I can trust him with because he's shown through a little experience and a little bit of maturity that he can be trusted with that. But when you have not grown and you have not matured very much, you, you're not going to be able to trust yourself and other people are not going to be able to trust you because you're, you haven't gotten there yet. And I think that for a lot of adults, we don't like to admit it, but the truth of the matter is when we're saying we don't trust others, it's really because of just that. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust ourselves, you know, because when you learn to trust yourself again and again, I have to say, when you learn to really trust yourself and you're only going to do that, you're only going to learn to do that when you start thinking about your decisions before you make them and then you're making them fully aware, fully, fully aware of the consequences, the pros and the cons of that decision. That is the moment when you can do that. That is the moment that you know, all right, I, I can trust my own judgment. I can trust my own judgment now. And when you get to that point where you can trust your own judgment now, then it's going to make it a lot easier for you to uh, make decisions on who belongs in the seats of your life. So it's going to be less and less uh, of you saying, I don't trust people. And more of more of you saying, I, I trust what I trust myself to make a better decision for me than what I've made in the past. And I'm doing all right. Everybody's not bad. Everybody's not a liar. But everybody don't deserve a seat in my life. And I'm mature enough to understand that fully now. Everybody is not my tribe. And just because you know how to shake your head and agree with me with everything that I'm saying, because at this very moment you're flabbergasted by me or infatuated with me or whatever, because you could, you're going to agree with anything that I say and or do at this moment, that doesn't make you my tribe. Because my tribe needs to be able to hold me accountable. And so I just wanted to put that out there. You know, think about it, y'all. Just think about it. Think about that whenever somebody tells you or insinuates around you that, you know, you should just find your tribe or just find your village or whatever, however they say it. I don't want you thinking that you have to beat yourself up and, and search high and low for this or, you know, take whatever's, whatever presents itself to you, to your table. Don't You don't have to do that. All you have to do is think about those people in your life. You probably already have at least one. Most of us have more than one. We, we may not consider them because we're thinking about this idea of what a tribe looks like. But the, the truth of the matter is most of us have somebody in our lives who holds us accountable. Somebody. There's, there's got to be one, at least one person in your life who's willing to hold you accountable. And making sure that you achieve the level of greatness that you're capable of achieving for one. And if two, that you are walking in your purpose and that you're going to get to that end goal of having lived out your purpose. There is somebody in your life, somebody who's willing to hold you accountable to that and who's willing to support you through that. So I want you to think about that person and then think about anybody else who's either there now already or who you're coming in contact with over the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months or the next year or so, whoever you come in contact with, think about 
your interactions with them and if they can potentially match that person. Can they match that person, that person who's willing to support you and hold you accountable at the the same time, love on you and still tell you when you need to take a seat somewhere. (laughs) If you can meet people and, and look at them and say, all right, this person, this person is that person. You can see that you've got evidence of it. That's your tribe. You got to go searching for it. They will find themselves more attracted to you and you will, it'll feel different. I'm telling you, it'll feel different. And for those of us who have discovered our tribe already, we've already learned who who's there, you know, not to say that more people can't become a part of that, but those of us who have more than one person around us who we know is going to hold us accountable while supporting and loving on us. If you have that, show them some gratitude as soon as you hear this. Soon as you're done listening to this today, pick up your phone, give them a call, thank them, shoot them a text, you know, pop up at their house, you know, send them something to their job, whatever you can do to show them appreciation for the fact that they, one, they support and love you, and two, that they hold you accountable to accomplish the end goal. Show them gratitude for that because there are a lot of people out here searching for that still. And they don't know, they don't know how to obtain it. They don't know how to attain it or they don't know how to retain it. If they do have it, you got to show appreciation for what you do have while you have it, because none of us are guaranteed to have it for long. We don't know when our expiration dates will be. We don't know when those people's expiration date will be. So if you have that in your life, just be thankful for it, be grateful for it. And don't ever let anybody else make you feel like you don't have that. Because again, we all have at least one person in our life. And if we don't have one person in our life, then we have to question. Go look in the mirror and question yourself on whether or not you've blocked them out. Because some of us do that too. Some of us have had that in our lives, have had someone who's willing to hold us accountable while supporting and loving on us. But because we didn't like the accountability factor, we blocked them out. We cast them to the side. We dismissed them. And then we cried to the rest of the world via social media or our outlandish actions or whatever. We cry out that we have nobody. It's just us against the world. But how many people in your corner were willing to really be in your corner and you put you pushed them out the way because you refuse to take accountability for something? You got to think about that. And if you have done that, if that has been you, if you have done that, you've cut somebody off who now after listening to this, you can think about and say, "Hmm, maybe just maybe they might have had my best interest in mind. Pick up the phone. It's not too late. It's not too late until it's too late, unless they're not here anymore. But if they're still here walking this earth, still breathing, reach out to them. Let them know how you feel. Let them know where you were wrong. Take that accountability. Take that accountability. You can still say how you feel. If you feel like they were wrong about something, you can still say that. You can still do that because guess what? If they were really for you and really in your corner, they're going to hear you out just as much as you want them to hear you out. They're going to hear you out just as much as you want to be heard out if they really want to be in your corner and if they really have your best interest in mind. They want to hear how you feel. They do. Just as much as you want to tell them, they want to hear it. But they want you to take accountability as well. So don't forget that part, guys. Take accountability. Learn to trust yourself. 
after you learn to do the work, the research part, the building part, the getting to know part, then you make your decisions and then trust your decisions. Don't question them. Don't second guess them because there's a reason why certain things have to be said and certain things have to be done the way that they, they are. And I, I, and don't try to make an excuse for cutting somebody out of your life who you realize is not in it for the end game. If they're not in it to help you get to that end game, then there there's no reason for you to keep dragging them along. It's not it's just going to pull you further and further away from your God-given purpose. So don't be hesitant or doubt about cutting that kind of stuff out. Just do it. Just do it. And keep on walking. Keep journeying. And for those of you who have somebody in your life or have people, have your tribe already, be grateful for them. Be grateful for them because you don't know how long you're going to have any of them. You really don't. And by you having them and showing grateful for gratefulness for them, it's just going to keep teaching our younger generations, our children and our children's children, how to have that same grateful attitude, that same grateful heart. We want to know how we're going to make the world a better place. We have to start teaching younger people how to trust other people. A lot of the problems we have in this country right now are because nobody trusts anybody. And the fact is because nobody trusts themselves. So that's my healing word for today. Hopefully it was all right. (laughs) And I will talk to you guys again soon on Uncorked with Champagne.